Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 197. There's no stopping the Flexeek. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. You know, often I'll get the question of, I want to start a business, but I have no idea what it should be. And one of the things I tell people is, well, look and see what is challenging for you as you go around your regular day-to-day life. Something that's missing, something that you wish you had, something that if it was created could make your life easier or in the case of our guest today, more creative. Who would have ever thought about edible clothing? Crazy, isn't it? But creative ideas for products come up every day. The thing is, are they acted upon? I can't wait for you to listen to Marilyn and Joe's story about how the product was identified and then how they actually brought it to reality. Is there an idea that you have that's just brewing in the back of your mind? This may be the trigger to make you get started and create a new product that all of us want. Today, my guests are Marilyn and Joe Baywall. A natural-born artist, Marilyn thrives on combining her well-honed sculpture and painting skills with her talent and passion for baking and edible creations. As the owner and creative director of Unique Cakes, she specializes in non-traditional wedding cakes, three-dimensional sculpted cakes, and blown and pulled sugar amenities. Her constant experimentation with different products and processes eventually led to her discovery of a unique edible fabric-like compound called Flexique. This has been received with international acclaim for its unique variety of uses. As co-owner of her second business, Unique Flexique, Marilyn has pioneered new techniques in cake decorating and is the authority on all applications of the Flexique line of products. Joe has been instrumental in running the operations of Marilyn's cake business and understands the cake community. He is also the co-owner of Unique Flexique, which produces the revolutionary Flexique product line. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, Marilyn and Joe. Hi, how you doing? Hey. I'm doing great, and I am so excited to share what Flexseek is all about with our audience. Well, yeah. we're glad to be able to be part of it. <laughs> so I know you guys are a lot of fun, too, because I met you at the Ultimate Sugar Show, and we were right across. Our booths were right across from each other. That was a fun cake show. <laughs> it sure was. So for our audience to get to know you a little bit better, I'd like to have you describe yourself, and I guess you're going to do it as a combo. I'm not sure but by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to help us visualize a color and a quote that would perfectly describe what you're all about, what would your motivational candle look like? We talked about that a little bit, and I think Marilyn's got the great idea on the answer to that question. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it changes often, but right now my favorite color is purple. Maybe a drippy purple, but purple. Is it a royal deep purple or a lilac purple? 
deep purple because what it means to me is to give is to get. The more I give, the more I get back. And I want to share everything that I do. It just makes me crazy. I can't get it out there fast enough. It's so true. When you give and give and give, it also comes back to you almost effortlessly, I feel. I have to uh, kind of add to that because I find that Marilyn is one of those people that doesn't like to keep a secret. When she finds out something like a use for the product, she'll broadcast it to everybody. Anybody that asks, she'll give them recipes, she'll give them techniques. And anybody that attends her classes finds that oh, yeah. she gives them more than just the syllabus. Yes, you know, we... Anything that's on her mind, any questions that people ask, she'll answer them. Yeah. And sometimes we do two or three different things in a class rather than, not rather than, but beyond what we were supposed to be learning. Okay, so you're going to be so sad that you just told me that because now (laughs) I'm like opening up new ideas to things that we're going to talk about. So we may be in for some secrets being revealed here. Who knows? (laughs) Another reason why I think she chose purple is because the label color on our Flexic Instant Lace happens to be a light purple lilac color. So that kind of fits in with the theme, doesn't it? Oh, it does. All right, so let's get into this, and I want to start with Unique Cakes and how that all came about, and then we're going to get into the whole Flexeek portion as well. So Unique Cakes. Okay, so I am an artist at heart. I've always been an artist, and I was a hairdresser. I did stained glass. I did oil painting, all kinds of crafts, anything I can get my hands on, and I'm a foodie. And so anytime anybody had a birthday or a wedding or whatever, my gift to them would be a cake. Now, at the time, I did not know that Virginia was one of the states where you could have a cottage industry and actually have a business in your own home. And there are several, I know, of Virginia and Florida. But it started out as a hobby kind of thing. And my neighbor said, your cakes are so beautiful. Why don't you make a business out of it? And that is how it started, actually. Of course, I use Joe as my techie. I don't do anything on computers. If you are talking to me on the computer. You're not talking to me. You're talking to Joe. I do all the handwork and he does all the business side. It was a learning experience for us. Let me tell you, it seems ominous when you look at starting a business. So, wow, that's a lot of work. I can't do that. Well, actually you can. If you do a little bit of research in your state, there are all kinds of guides that walk you through how to establish a business what forms you need to have in place, what inspections, what this, what that. And then there's also your local SBA or Small Business Administration. That's very helpful in getting the business started. So that's what we did. I love that you started with this portion, Marilyn, where you were talking about how you were an artist of a lot of different things. So here's a question for you in that if it wasn't cakes, if someone would have come and said, your stained glass is so beautiful, you should think about selling that. Would you have gone the stained glass route instead of the bakery route? No, you know, I have to keep doing something different all the time. I did sell my stained glass and I love doing it. I still do it off and on. As a matter of fact, one of the classes I do with my Flexique is stained glass. Oh, so you're incorporating some of the other crafting into the base of the cake design then. Right. Well, every artist does that. I mean, if you have it in you, it's in your fingers and you just want to keep doing and doing and just everything kind of rolls together. So how confident are you that you'll stay with this if you like to keep changing things? 
Well, I had my cake business for a long time before we started FlexSeek. Now, FlexSeek is very time-consuming for us, going to a lot of shows and making classes and that type of thing. And so as we're getting to be senior citizens, it's getting to be a little much for everything. But I'm still, I may tone down on cakes a little bit. That's the good thing about having your own business that I can pick and choose what I want to do when I want to do it. If we're going to a show, then I will not take a cake that weekend. But I think there's no stopping the FlexSeek. That's for sure. And the deal with FlexSeek is that there are so many different, and we're going to get into this later, I'm sure, but there are so many different things that you can do with the product line that I think possibilities are endless and she can continue to come up with new things things and and get her artistic release without having to go into a different business. Makes sense. Let's stay back in the beginning of Unique Cakes. So yes, I mean, when you are doing a consumable product, you have all the issues of can you do a cottage industry or other people, you know, are you going to be able to get your kitchen approved? Do you need to go to a commercial kitchen? All of that type of thing. But once that was all figured out, and I love, Joe, that you said, you know, it's really just research. The information is available. You just have to go and look for it. And it's really not that hard to find. It's, so it's, this isn't a barrier that should stop you for sure. Right. But then once you've gotten going, how do you get customers? Well, there's several ways. First of all, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, word of mouth. But then there are cake bridal shows you go to, the different, the Chamber of Commerce. So local in your area, you mean, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I joined the Chamber of Commerce group, like Joe was talking about, and you get contacts that way. That group recommends you, you recommend each other to all your clients. And yeah, once it gets going, if you really have your heart into it, it spreads like wildfire. You really don't have to do that much. Right. And of course, getting a good website and Facebook page helps helps too. (laughs) Social media marketing is in vogue nowadays. Pick up yourself a good techie like I did. (laughs) (laughs) Does he happen to be sitting right next to you, Marilyn? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think it is important, and a lot of people who are listening are selling to a community that's local. And some people will think, oh, well, I don't need to have a website or I don't need to have a social media presence because they're doing exactly what you were saying, Marilyn. They're starting to spread the word by maybe family and friends first having a cake, and then it spreads, and then they go to a chamber, and then there's other people that get cakes, and word just spreads and spreads. I would suggest, and I want to know what your thoughts are on this, is I think still people go online to confirm that you're an established business, that you're someone that they really want to do business with. So you need to have a website. You need to have some social presence, even if you're not selling through social media. It's a credibility play, I guess I would say. What do you think? That's absolutely right. I, I mean, Marilyn pointed at me, so I guess I get the answer to this one. <laughs> oh, yes. I like that you tell us the visual since we can't see. So that works really well. <laughs> That's just fun. <laughs> I have to totally agree. A website is a representation of the professionalism of the business. So the first point I'd like to make is if you're going to do a website, do it right. Don't do a primitive kind of thing that's available through some of the other sites. You can start out that that. way. Invest a little bit of money in getting a nice professional website together because that's your face to the public. What platform are you using for your website? We actually have a developer that specializes in web development out of Florida. So is it a WordPress site, do you know? Not WordPress, no. It's proprietary. 
Oh, okay. So it, you really did custom. Yeah, we did custom. We, okay. did that, we did that actually for both businesses. We had our son actually help us with that. But the other thing that we found is that once you have a social media presence, you have to realize that your reach has now gone international. And so if you have a contact form and have somebody creating a need for a product oh or a service, <laughs> you may expect some requests yeah. from overseas people who don't realize that you're located in Virginia or wherever you're at. So. I do have to say I did get a cake order from Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> for our first birthday party cake. Several. I have gotten several from overseas that people don't realize. But yeah, I mean, Joe is right. The website is really important. As a matter of fact, when people ask to friend us now with so many viruses out there, that we go to their website and check them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people will do the same thing to you. So you need right. to make sure that your presence online is professional, like you were saying, which means putting it together properly, right? Just not throwing it up. And then also, so your imagery looks similar, like your imagery looks similar on a website versus your Facebook page versus Instagram or wherever you are, logos right. and colors and all that. Think of it as your first impression. Mm -hmm. The first thing people see about you, if your website is sloppy and just childlike, they're going to think your business, your work is the same. Right. Especially as an artist, yeah. you know, a cake artist. Yeah. How do you handle photography for your website? Not only is my husband <laughs> a techie, he's a photographer. <laughs> oh, now, that's just not fair. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. not fair. <laughs> he's good at everything. A lot of her friends are jealous when she starts telling her things like this. But I do. I've done photography for a long time. I've developed my own pictures, black and white in color. And I set up a box in our dining room that we use in relationship to any kind of photography that we do for both the businesses. Um, and I have the lights and everything. And we're actually going into videography with the green screen backgrounds that we're going to be producing a lot of tutorials on our Flexi product line. Oh, I love that. And Gift Biz listeners, you know that with every podcast, there's a show notes page, which will give you all the links. So you'll be able to go and see what all of this is about. I usually say this at the end of the show, but I might as well say it now since we're on the topic. So any other things that you think would be interesting to talk about specifically in relation to unique cakes before we move on? Let me go with this question. Any surprise that you had as you were developing the business that you could warn or advise our listeners about with regard to unique cakes? I've done several competitions with the cakes, Pastry Live and things like that a lot of shows because I do sculpting. That's my forte. But there's one thing that I've learned with my friends. Some of them use cake mixes, but some of them do it from scratch. And if you're doing any kind of competition or anything, don't even think of using a cake mix. However, some clients prefer a cake mix over a dry scratch cake. There's another aspect to any business, and that's called pricing. <laughs> okay. Ooh. That's a toughie. All right, go with this. I can't wait to hear what you say. One of the things that we found in the cake world, and I'm sort of speaking out of turn because I'm not in there, but I've watched Marilyn and been learning a lot about the cake business from a business perspective. It seems like there's a dichotomy between the cake artists that own their own brick and mortar shop and the ones that work out of their homes. The ones that work out of their homes tend to price lower, much lower, 
they're not taking advantage of getting reimbursed for all of their time and their ingredients and their energy use and their mortgage payment, whatever. And so they're doing themselves an injustice by pricing low, but they're also doing the brick and mortar people an injustice because it's detracting from their clientele. So if you're going to price, make sure you look at what the going rate is on whatever product in your area and try to get there. Don't really, really undercut because you're not doing anybody a service. Well, no. And then if you want to grow, how are you going to increase your prices that much to existing customers? So I'm thinking someone who's able to work out of their house or a commercial kitchen is even still less than a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Right. But take that extra margin, use that margin, save it for future growth of your business. There you go. Well, and I just talked to a a, uh, caker recently about this. She was charging about half the price I was. She was doing twice as much work, maybe three times as much work. Mm -hmm. She thought she was getting a lot of business, but she was driving herself ragged and trying to meet all the demand, and she wasn't even getting compensated for it. Right. Was she charging almost just cost? Even less, I I don't know. She just thought because she was doing so much business that she was doing well, and that's not the case. I mean, if you want to do it for a hobby and lose money, that's one thing, but you really have to, I mean, it's hard in your mind to think, okay, I'm doing less cakes, but I'm making more money as to, oh, I'm busy all the time and I'm doing 20 cakes on the weekend. Isn't that great? But then you're not making any money. You're making the same amount of money as someone who's doing two or three cakes, but they're doing twice as many. You're exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I think in this community, the maker community overall, we also so undervalue our time and our skill when it comes to pricing. People take so many classes, invest a lot of time in learning how to do things properly, professionally, and then a lot of time in terms of putting together and perfecting their individual skill, if you will. And then they apply it to actually making the product and they don't account for then the time of production. And as I already said, the time of acquiring that expertise and that skill. So I hope you set her straight, Marilyn. (laughs) (laughs) I did. There's sometimes when I can't do a cake and I have to recommend them to somebody and I trust her skills. But if I recommend one of my clients to her and she's charging half as much as I do, that's shooting myself in the foot too. Yeah, it sure is. So then I would never recommend somebody. The other thing that a lot of folks may not realize, when they look at charging three times as much as what their cost is, they say, oh, wow, that's overcharging. Well, that's really not true when you think about it and you research it. We watch Shark Tank every once in a while, and we find that a lot of entrepreneurs usually tap on at least 300% on top of their cost for their retail. No, we don't do that. But that's sort of the norm. So you shouldn't feel embarrassed or timid about charging what the current market value is. But I find myself doing the same thing. I'm guilty of that Mm -hmm. also. As Joe said earlier, when I come up with a new idea, I am so excited to share it with everybody when somebody will be saying, well, why didn't you do a class on that? And you can be making money doing a class on that type of thing. By the time I find somewhere to do a class and whatever, it's already too late. Yeah. But my guess is also that even if people heard about it, they would also love to take the class to really perfect it and, you know, see how to do it properly, too. Right. Right. The other thing is there are a lot of hidden costs that people forget about. 
Like, what about the delivery costs of getting any materials that you're using, you know, any of your ingredients to you? Or if you're going out and getting them locally, you're still having to drive. So there's that cost. There's all the administrative costs. There's the cost of developing the website, Joe, like we were talking about earlier. So they're not directly related to the making of your product, but they are directly related to the development and growth of your business. And so that eats up a little bit of those percentages, too. So all things to consider with pricing, a great topic to talk about. We could probably go on the whole rest of the show talking about pricing. (laughs) That's for sure. That's true. (laughs) But I want to get into Flexeek. So right now we've been talking unique cakes. How in the world did you identify this idea of Flexeek? This is a good story. (laughs) I can't wait to hear it. So it started out with my cake business. I had a bride who wanted a birch tree cake. And she did not want fondant. She did not want buttercream. She didn't want the usual. She wanted it to look like a real birch tree. So here I am racking my brain trying to figure out how I'm going to do this instead of saying, sorry, I can't do this for you. Picked up American Cake Decorating Magazine and there happened to be a birch tree cake that was just absolutely gorgeous. And I could tell it was not made from the usual stuff. And usually they have tutorials on all these things. So I'm looking through trying to find the tutorial and all there was was this little paragraph that said, this is a beautiful cake that I made. The birch tree part was a 13 step process that I used, that I used gelatin as the base and that was it. (laughs) And I said, oh oh, man. No, you left me in suspense. You don't even want to know what I said. I called her a not not very nice name. (laughs) So, but as I'm very creative and we got going in the kitchen, I got gelatins in a base. I added chocolate. I saw it looked like wafer paper. I added wafer paper. And we did about six months mm-hmm. of work on this in the kitchen back and forth. And I actually came up with something else first. I actually came up with the Flexique on wafer paper before we came up with Flexique. And it turned out beautiful. But I tell this story, I did call her not a very nice name, but I tell this story every time people ask me that. And one time in New York, I'm telling this story and I said, that B lady, (laughs) (laughs) she put this cake, picture of the cake in the magazine, but she didn't tell me how to do it. Such a tease. Mm -hmm. And yes. And then the lady turned to me and said, that would be me. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? Oh, I gave her a great big hug and she gets product free from now on. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's good. <laughs> her name is Madison Lee. She's on TV all the time. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. She is actually very creative, but it was just that thought because I actually call, said the word and I said, oh, I called her up and then um, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hello, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> she's the sweetest thing, but she was my inspiration. Well, okay, so, but Marilyn, maybe people are saying that about you now because they want to know what's in Flexi so they can make it themselves. So it's a secret. You can't say. That's right. <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> and we have patent on it, so. As well, you should. So you saw that you've now made this material, and I think we might be leaving our listeners a little bit in the dark. Explain specifically what Flexi does. That's Joe's <laughs> deal. He does good with that. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get to learn all about Flexeek right after a quick word from our sponsor. 
This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. So in as simple terms as I can state, we have three veins, three different products. The first one, which Marilyn first developed, was Flexeek. It's what creates edible fabric. You can cover wafer paper to give it flexibility and durability. Okay, yes, Gift Biz listeners, edible fabric. Yes. Okay, keep going. <laughs> you can cover and protect printed images. So if you do printed images for your cakes, you can cover them with Flexeek so that they don't smear when you touch them with wet hands or buttercream hands. And then it gives it flexibility so you can put it on your cake and the wafer will crack. It'll flow onto your cake. That's Flexeek. There are other things you can do with it. What else? I said, well, also when you put the Flexeek on wafer paper, if you let it cure overnight, you can use the Martha Stewart cutters to cutouts with it. And I have done that with snowflakes on a frozen cake. I flavor them peppermint because you can flavor Flexeek any way you want to, color it or flavor it. Flavor peppermint and put it on a frozen cake and the kids went nuts eating those off the cake. So it's perfect for cupcakes. You can cut any shape as long as you buy them and you know they have not have been used for anything else and you just dedicate them to cake decorating or to whatever you're doing, you can use the cutout. And that really is great for cookies. Cut little shapes out, put them on your cookies. Very lightweight. They adhere and they're tasty. Then after Flexi, then Norm Davis came to me and said, well, there is no one in the United States making lace. Why don't you try to use lace? Can we use Flexeek in a lace mold? And I said, well, I have tried that. It doesn't work in a lace mold. It doesn't give you all those nice little cutouts that you need. All the detail of a lace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. So we went back to work <laughs> and we created a lace. It's made here in the United States. And it's instant and ready to use. That's what Joe was saying earlier. And it doesn't melt in the fridge. It doesn't, doesn't what? <laughs> it doesn't get hard. <laughs> it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't get super hard. It stays flexible. And it actually sets up very quickly and sets up even quicker if you put it in the fridge. So it's a very nice product. Instant, so, ready to use. So that's the second one. The third one is a Flexi Glue. What we found is once Flexseek cures, there's nothing that will stick it to itself. So if you're making ruffles, pleats, or if you're making roses, or, or if you're making a dress or bows, you need something that will attach Flexseek to itself at certain points. And that's what the glue does. It almost instructs it to make it bond to itself. Right. So I just have to say, this was crazy. And Marilyn, you were talking earlier about when you make a cake for a show and the difference between ready-made mix versus mix from scratch. Mm -hmm. Show event products are always a little bit different. And most of the time, they're not an order that you're filling for a customer. It's probably not what you normally sell because it's a competition. It's for a show, etc. At the ultimate sugar show, you guys, they had a stage and people were coming out in clothes that were all edible, hats that were edible, dresses that were edible. And a lot of that was your Flexeek being used to give the effects of ruffles on skirts and all of that, right? It was. We were sponsors for the Sugar Show and everybody got to use as much as they wanted or as little as they wanted for the products. And we still have these hats here on our mannequins. They're adorable. <laughs> 
the detail of these clothes was crazy, and I could not even imagine that they were edible. I mean, they looked like real fabric clothes. It was crazy. They actually have a video. In fact, we've got it on our site, on our Flexic YouTube page. The videos of some of the fashion shows that were actually conducted at the cake fair a year or so ago, where they, and again, Flexic sponsored that also, people used Flexic products to create entire outfits, and then these models wore them and came out on stage to music. And really, really interesting. Wow, that is so crazy. And I do want to share with all of our listeners, those of you who are customers and have a ribbon printing system, we are shortly going to share with you how you can use this product incorporated with custom printed ribbon. So stay tuned for that. It's coming down the pike. Let's get back into FlexSeek and its creation and development. So you're in the kitchen, you've made your product. Where do you go next in terms of getting it to be a real product that's trademarked that you can sell? Can you share with us a little bit of the development steps that you take? That's Joe. Well, there are two things that we did almost immediately. One is we hired a lawyer to help us submit an application for patent. In some cases, that might be important. In other cases, it may not be important. It depends upon how concerned you are about somebody taking what you're doing and duplicating it, copying it. The second thing we did was our son was in marketing advertising, so he and his wife, who's a graphic artist, helped us create the logo, the FlexSeek logo. And we then went and got that trademarked. So we have now a registered trademark for FlexSeek. We're patent. That was the first step. The second step then was to create all of your social media sites, your website, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, your Pinterest, your YouTube page and all that to start getting the word out. And then we started to register for the various shows to go and create a booth and demonstrate them to people. In the meantime, we also hired a professional videographer to come in to video Marilyn teaching the various aspects of our products. And we have published those on our Flexi website as tutorials for people to view. That's sort of the process. Go ahead. Uh, Flexic is a really great innovative product, but it is very new in the way that if you don't have hands-on, sometimes people get scared about using it. Yeah. Or they just don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah, those videos are really important. Yeah, so that was important. But then we had to go out and find someone to produce it for us. The product. Yes, produce the product. Okay, and how in the world do you do that? You weren't going to spend all your life in the kitchen. That wasn't the plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Producing the Flexique, I mean. Well, and then actually people said to me, well, no one buys stuff that you produce in your kitchen. Well, and there's no way to scale it. So you're absolutely right. You want to find someone to be making it for you. So how does that work? That was a difficult process. We actually went to several of our friends who were in business, in big businesses, and asked for references to potential sources and found one that actually was producing a related cake product in their manufacturing facility. They were willing to take us on because it's not a very large production line that's required to manufacture our products. They agreed to take that on and produce it out of their facility, and uh, that was a perfect match. And is it local? Pretty local to you anyway? No, it's actually in your area, Illinois. Oh, well, when are you going to come visit? 
<laughs> Next time we're there. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So good point, though, in that when you're needing something to reach out to your local network, friends, family, anybody that you know, because they may know somebody who has the solution to what you're looking for or has the next step as you're doing your research to achieve whatever it is you're doing. In this case, it was manufacturing the product. And then how did you go about what the container was going to look like and the sizing and all of that? Oh, my goodness. That was difficult (laughs) also. Well, we knew that we wanted something that had a screw top. And we looked at the amounts that we would need to prepare for to be a quantity of one. And then we started to go to the various container manufacturers to look what their inventory was and what their selections were and found a couple of containers and asked for samples. And then once we found one that we liked, we then approached the silk screening process with them. Again, enlisted my son and his wife to help us design the labels for each of those products and had them silk screened at the factory on the uh, jars before they were sent to us. Yeah, and the size of the jars also had to do with how much you would use at a time. Our glue then is a smaller jar because you don't use as much of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. So you were really considering your end customer's application process and figuring out the quantities appropriately for that. Right, right. because why should they buy a quart of glue if they're only going to use half a cup? So we were thinking about that, too. Because I was in the business, it's easy for me to say, all right, well, I wouldn't use that much of it, or I need more of this, or that type of thing. It was, we were being, trying to be considerate. So a question comes to me here in that you're starting from nothing, so you really don't know how much you're going to sell off the bat. Right. We do know that the more you produce, the lower your individual unit costs are. You know, I'm not asking you to give me quantities or anything like that, but how did your mind go in terms of what was going to be that initial offering that you were going to produce, not knowing if it was going to sell out right away or if you're going to be sitting on inventory for a while? We actually started with a very small quantity of product and accessories, jars, labels, etc., Just as a test case, because when we launched, we launched actually at the cake fair during that fashion show that I told you about. So that was just last year, right? Or two years ago? That was almost three years now. Okay. The very first one. Okay. And the product started to catch fire and the demand accelerated so rapidly that we went out and then ordered as much quantity as we could afford to buy for product and for jars and went from there. And priced it from there. Yeah. Every manufacturer, as you know, has quantity price breaks. Right. And the thing that we did do that some people may not think about is when you talk to the representative, you could negotiate a lower price based on higher quantities that you would prospectively order in the future. So you don't actually have to order them all now, but say, hey, this is coming. Educate them about your business and how it's growing and say, hey, I've got this potential that's going to get me 10,000 of those jars by the end of the year. And they may negotiate a lower price point for you at the smaller quantity that you buy now. Mm -hmm. Based on the potential leading into the future. Right. Yeah. And we know that your product is very popular because your booth was always packed. I saw it because (laughs) I was right across the way. 
Any tips on what to do with trade shows and interacting with customers and showing the product and all of that? It helps to have a personality like my husband. <laughs> I'm kind of on the shy side, but I end up You doing keep like, saying that, but you weren't. And when I got get to know somebody, I'm fine. But in the beginning, I get a little timid. I do believe in my product, but I am much more comfortable judging and teaching and that type of thing. And Joe loves to show off the product. Mm-hmm. Very important what you are selling to demonstrate and demonstrate it constantly in a booth and not just stand there and wait for people to come around. When people see you working on something and doing something, especially if it's new to them, they are right there trying to see what's going on. It's like having a free class. Yeah, and that's what you guys were doing because you were sitting down demonstrating and working and creating. And then, Joe, you were more talking with everybody, as I recall. Right. So you have your two roles. But the other thing with, to answer your question about what to do at cake shows or trade shows, is every one of the trade shows usually has an educational aspect to it, either classes or stage demonstrations. Sometimes you get paid to do the demonstrations. Sometimes you You have to do them for free. But the benefit to you as a business owner is so dramatic. When you get on a stage and you're talking about your product and demonstrating what you can do with it, that gets people's attention and curiosity and that the need to buy is much greater than they'll come look for your booth and purchase out of your booth based on what they saw either in the class or the demonstration. Yeah, like Joe said, even if you don't get paid for the demo, we have seen in the past that right after a demo is done, people come flocking Mm -hmm. to the booth. Right. Yeah, that's perfect evidence of what you're saying for sure. Yes. So anybody who has a product, get into as many demos as you can or online. Mm -hmm. YouTube and all that. Facebook Live. So Mm -hmm. much that you can get out there with. At the booth also, Joe, you and I talked a little bit because I purchased one of your products so that we could test it and do what we want to do on our end as we merge together and suggest this to our customers. And that's where I found out that you are kind of like a chatbot pro. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about that a little bit. Share with us how you feel about chatbots. Well, here's the thing. We all know that Facebook used to be a good venue for marketing and advertising for products. It's not anymore because of the restrictions that Facebook has placed on who sees what you post. They want you to pay for Facebook ads, and even those don't reach the amount of people that you want. Right now, Facebook allows you to create messenger bots that reach out to people through various means. You can do it through a Facebook Live presentation with comments. You can do it off your website. You can do it off email blasts. You can do it in very many different ways. Have people subscribe to your Messenger page, and then you're allowed to reach out to them periodically, and Facebook does not limit that reach out. So if you wind up gathering 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 subscribers in Messenger, Whatever you post to Messenger is going to go out to all 6,000 of those subscribers. The reach is there. Facebook hasn't figured that out yet. So before they clamp down on that, that's a perfect medium for getting the word out to your customers. And what application are you using for your bots? 
I found ManyBot as an easy, very easy application. There are several of them out there, but this one has a lot of features that make it very user-friendly and easy to create. Yeah. Is it ManyBot or ManyChat? Oh, I'm sorry, ManyChat. Thank you. ManyChat. Okay. ManyChat. Yeah. I haven't used it yet. I'm kind of going back and forth as to whether my audience would be happy with it or not. Did you have that concern when you started with it? I didn't because one of the things that they recommend you do right up front is say, okay, you're subscribing to our messenger. We're going to give you information periodically, and you always have the option to type stop. When you type stop, you're unsubscribed, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. So the way we looked at it is if somebody didn't want to get bothered, even if it's after they've already subscribed, they just type in stop and they're done and, and they're out. Right. Then you're not inundated with things that you don't want to hear. Yep. Yeah. Right. And isn't there something where you have to have engaged within a 24-hour period or something for them to receive a message from you? No, not a message. Solicitation. Marketing. You can send out broadcast, informational broadcasts to them all the time. But what you need to do is, in your informational broadcast, if you're going to want to do a product solicitation of any kind, you need to re-engage them. So you give them a question that they answer, or you pose a scenario survey or something to require them to answer. And as soon as they answer, they're resubscribed again for 24 hours. You can then send them any promotional messages. Wonderful. Okay, got it. We haven't talked a lot about messenger bots yet here, but I know they're becoming bigger and bigger. In fact, when I was at Social Media Marketing World last March, they had a representative from Facebook on stage talking about their anticipated future. So you are right on the cusp. You <laughs> are right in the thick of things in terms of the newest and latest and greatest. And I know your bot is very smooth because I've used it when I was making that purchase and all of that. And the other thing I think just to, I think for our listeners, this may be just an introduction to what these bots can do from a business owner's perspective. Now, the list of the people who are interacting with your bot is still owned by Facebook. It's not owned by you. Mm -hmm. That's correct, right? As far as I know, yes, it's owned by them. So you want to try and then, if you want to have ownership of that list somehow, you want to in some way get their email. Now, if someone buys a product, then you get their email already. Right. And those are some of the things that you can do in your broadcast streams. Ask for information, ask for opinions, ask for preferences, ask for parts of the country that you live in. Any of those things, you can ask them because it's just informational exchange. The other thing that may be beneficial for your audience is if they do go to trade shows, they can create a messenger code that people at the booth can actually scan with their phones. And you can then offer a discount for any purchases that they make in the booth when they scan the code. And when they scan the code, they're automatically subscribed to you as a messenger subscriber. That worked very well for us. That worked, that worked really very well. well for us at this last, at the Ultimate Sugar Show. Oh, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think bots are in my future for next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, as we start to wind down here, what would you say to somebody who was back in the beginning where you were, Marilyn, where you were making cakes or jewelry or candles or whatever the craft is? They're just kind of starting to tiptoe into this idea of maybe monetizing their craft. What would you say to that person? 
Something I'm going to say to somebody who approached me just a little while ago, don't be afraid. If you think it's a good product, if you think you're doing a great job, then don't be afraid to go on and sell it or share it, that type of thing. And then don't be afraid to fail because you can just turn around and pick it up and do it over again or whatever. Many people come up to me and say, well, how did you do that? I could never do that, but I have this great idea. And I'm going to be talking to someone soon about it in a couple of days. She says, I have this great idea. I can't wait to talk to you and have you help me decide if it's good enough or should I do anything with it? Don't be afraid to talk to people. Use your change of commerce and all that, your friends, and just not give them the idea because once your idea is out there, you can't do a patent on it, right? You can't put something out there that we found out and then three or four months and then go back and try to put a patent on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you protect it first. Yes, you have to protect it before you put it out there. But you can, in general, talk to people about it and think if it's a great idea or what somebody can use or somebody needs. There's always a need for innovation. Well, and think of how many ideas never actually come to reality because people are afraid. Oh, wait, I got to tell you a great story. (laughs) I was so mad. I knew this was coming. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm excited. Drum roll. We lived in Hawaii and I was really into, we all were into health and running and walking and all that kind of stuff to keep healthy. And I would walk four miles a day with my friends, but even though I don't sweat much in Hawaii, I did. And I just thought, you know, I don't want to sweat. So I had young kids at the time, then I had baby wipes and I used the baby wipes on my underarms as we were walking to make me feel fresher. So I called Dove and I said, you know what? I have this great idea. For someone who in the office or whatever to make deodorant in a cloth that you can use on your underarms or something to freshen up quickly during the day or at the gym so that you're not incredibly awful smelling (laughs) till you can get to a shower. And they said, oh, don't ever use a product that was meant to be used for something else. You shouldn't be doing that. And it freaked me out so much that they thought it was a horrible idea. And then two years later, what do you think they have all over the shelves? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am just, and same thing with my dad. He went up to Canada to go fishing all the time. He said, the water up there is so good. I should bottle it. A couple of years later, bottled water is all over the place. <laughs> See? I mean, had he followed his thought and followed his gut, he would have been a millionaire. Right. And it's those little fleeting thoughts that we need to pay attention to. Right. Because you never know if that turns into the next best idea. Yeah. And you got to realize that it's really not that expensive to start. Where the expense winds up is in the legal side of the house. So if you want to go patent and trademark, that stuff gets to be a little expensive. But getting a business started at the beginning, you know, in the test mode or test phase is not expensive at all. It just takes a little bit of research and work. Payoff is so good. It's so exciting to see people, even some, you know, they're using it on the cake shows and all that now. They're not allowed to call it Flexique, but they use it on the cake show to see these people, Karen Porleo and all these cake decorators that are well known, they're using the product and they love it. That has to be so rewarding for you. Oh, it is. It is. is. I just wish I was one of them, but uh, you know, I'm down (laughs) on the No, you're one of yourself. You are the (laughs) owner of Flexique, you guys. Yeah, I had someone come up to me and said, you know what, 
I used to know you when you weren't famous. <laughs> and I don't feel famous, but people do know our name because of FlexSeek and mm -hmm. all that. But you can't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Uh, it's a little intimidating, but, you know, it's worth it in the end. Okay, so there's one more thing that I wanted to mention. The public, like Marilyn had mentioned before, is a little hesitant about getting started with FlexSeek because they're a little timid. What we're going to start doing is on our FlexSeek YouTube channel, we're going to start what we call FlexSeek Fridays. So every Friday, we're going to broadcast a snippet of information about an aspect of FlexSeek use. It'll get you started a little bit at a time. So if you subscribe to FlexSeek YouTube now, you'll get notified when we start, which will be in the beginning of 2019. That's so smart because I think that's where the disconnect could be. People understand the product, but all the creative uses may be in question. So providing them with that information, I think I can't wait to see what that does for your sales. Yeah. A short snippet of information to tell you how to do it because people don't like to sit there and watch an hour tutorial just to go through. It's just going to be a couple minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Each one will be a couple, but I think people will binge watch. Yeah, could yeah. be. Yeah, that's my guess. So, oh, I'm excited. So that's going to start the first of the year, right? Yep. Okay. So Gift Biz listeners, I think when you are listening to this, there'll already be a few up ready to go. So I suggest you go over and take a look. And is the YouTube channel called FlexEek? Yes. Perfect. F-L-E-X-I-Q-U-E, everybody. Go check it out. There you go. All right. Now I would like to present you both with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would really wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Okay, we talked about this. Here's the vision we would have. If you open this box and you see a video look into the future where every single person has our products on their shelves that they can use in some way. Yes, because I call lay people, which are not cakers, both sides of the coin can use this product. We're actually trying to get on Project Runway with it. We think that it would be a great non-conventional challenge. And that's one of the things that could be in that box. That's right. <laughs> it sounds like you're gonna have to hire the videographer again because you're gonna <laughs> yeah. need a lot of demo videos. <laughs> so if you think about it, we talked about it. Edible clothing. You can paint cake, on bodies. Cake decoration. Prosthetics, masks, Halloween masks. Oh, yeah. Painting on bodies. Food protection, preservation. Yeah. Food safe barrier for non-food items. Sort of like that satin ribbon you referred to. Yeah. You can go on and on and on for different things to do with the product line that's not strictly related to the cake business, but to any secular businesses out there. So our vision is everybody's going to have it as a normal ingredient item in their home on their shelves. Yeah, you might not use it all the time, but it'll be there when you need it. Love it. Well, I seem to think that this is going to happen for you. I'm really excited to see about new applications because some of the things you just mentioned, I never would have even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> so, And you guys together make a dynamite duo because you clearly know how to start successful businesses. 
Here you have two under your belt and it sounds like Flexeek has enough going for it. It's going to take you far into the future. So I really, really appreciate your coming in. I think we did pull out a few secrets here today from you guys. So I'm really, really happy about that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you are sure, so welcome. You're welcome. We had a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting us. So I'm usually pretty good at keeping secrets, but I'm spilling the beans. I can't help it. I'm so excited. I just want to tell you guys what I've been working on over the last few months. It's been a little bit of a secret project because I wasn't sure exactly what the timing was going to look like on it, but I can't wait. I have to share with you my secret. Many of you who've been following me for a while know that I wrote a book that came out last May. It's called Maker to Master, but that's not what this is about, although it spins off a similar concept. When I was getting serious about writing that book, there were actually two books that I had in my mind. One was Maker to Master, and that, truth be told, was the harder one to do. But I also was really interested in writing a book that was an inspirational book, kind of inspiration a day. I know you've seen those out there where it's 365 inspiring thoughts for your year or something like that. I think very often we get defeated by our own self-talk and we also sway away from core solid business growth values because There's a new social media site that's available or other things come up that take our mind off of the really important things that we need to grow our business. As things happen, my idea continued to evolve and I came up with the idea of instead of doing a 365 inspiring tips type book, it would be way more helpful for you if it was included in some type of a planner so that every day when you're planning out your day, you'd also then see a tip. If I look at how I work with things, I don't know if I would have a book on the side of my desk and every day look at one day's inspiration and then another day's inspiration. Way better to have everything in one place. Consequently, I have created a planner. It's called Inspired, a daily planner specifically for you, our wonderful community of gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. I'll be sharing more in the upcoming days, but let me give you a few highlights here. One of the cool things about this planner is you can start any month of the year. Have you ever been like me where all of a sudden in May you decide, I want to start doing things different, I want to get myself really organized, but then you go to find a planner and they either start in September going into the next year or you have to buy a year and all the prior months of the year are useless for you because you're already in May. With this planner, you can start anytime. If you're listening to this announcement in January, you can start it right away. If you're hearing this in May, you can use this planner starting in May. It has monthly and daily layouts, so you'll be able to keep yourself really organized and special life-enhancing sections. More on that later. It also includes what I've been talking about earlier and the reason I changed this from a book to a planner, and that is daily inspiration things that you need to be telling yourself, affirmations to get in the right mindset as the owner of your business, also business tips and ideas 
Some of them you're going to read and you're like, yep, got it, it's covered. And then others might give you some pause, ideas of things you might want to implement into your business to further either solidify or grow what you already have going. That's all I'm going to share with you right now, but I will tell you that we are just weeks away from getting this out to you. I'm going to do a limited first run, and if you want to be one of the first ones to know when it's available, jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash add me, and you'll get an email when the planner is ready. That link again is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash add me. There is no time like the present to take the next step on solidifying the dream you have for your business. The new inspired planner could be just the ticket to making sure that that actually happens for you this year. That's a wrap. Have a great week, everybody. And I'll catch you again next Monday on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.